Amen. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. It's good to see everybody this morning. To all those that uh, are listening online, why, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate the live stream audience. I'm grateful that you are part. We're in this uh, series called Transformed, and it's out of the book of Romans. And so uh, if you'll take your Bibles, hold up your Bibles. Let's see them. There we go. Or your phone or whatever. And uh, turn uh, to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 as we get started. Just a little bit of a reminder for us. You know, change is hard. I know some of you have done like me. You've had that New Year's resolution. You know I'm going to read my Bible every day. And so, you know, year after year I've read Genesis. I'm just going to start in like numbers next time, you know. I mean, I've read Genesis a lot. Because you kind of get that start and then you kind of quit, that kind of a thing. Well, change on our own, with our own willpower, is a difficult thing. But change with the power of God that lives inside us, that's something else. Now, changing from uh, going from being lost to being saved is something that God makes happen in us through the gospel. Then Romans chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 16 and 17, he says that, that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save. It has the power to change your life and to save you, right? And so that this gospel does something else, though. It's for everybody, Jews and Gentiles. But he says the gospel reveals something. For therein, in the gospel, is a righteousness revealed. It's a righteousness of God. And so it, here's what happens. Uh, a, a curtain, there can be some behind a curtain and the curtain is pulled back and people all of a sudden see behind the curtain. Something that's been there all along. Well, the gospel's kind of like that. When the, uh, it looked like in times past, how could God save Abraham and David and all these other people when there was no price for their sin? So it looked like God left sins uh, unpunished, even, he, even though he was giving people salvation. But the Bible says that the gospel reveals God's righteousness. It's the curtain is pulled back and everybody says, oh, that's how God could save Abraham. That's how God could save David. That's how God could save anyone because the price for their sin had been paid by Jesus Christ. The whole thing had been planned before the creation of the world. God crucified Christ in his mind for us, all of us. So the, God's righteousness, it looked like he might have been unrighteous, but when the gospel is preached and it's seen and it's revealed, it reveals how God was right in everything he did in saving man. And it also reveals how we're made right by faith. Because you see now, like uh, Trent dealt with last week in the, uh, chapter 1, verse 18 through 320, all have sinned, everybody has the same problem. Look, everybody is lost for the same reason. You and I choose to sin. It's our own fault. Three times, as a matter of fact, he says, without excuse, without excuse, without excuse. It's our own fault. Uh, uh, my mama didn't make me sin. My daddy didn't make me sin. You know, yeah, I mean, look, I don't, whatever kind of therapy you are in that says all this happened because of my mama and my daddy. I mean, some of that might be true, but I'm telling you, when it comes to sin, you're it. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm guilty because I made a decision to go against God. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. I'm not guilty because of my dad. And I'm not guilty because of his dad. And I'm not guilty because of Adam. While he impacted the world with sin, he did not cause me to be guilty of sin. That guilt belongs to me. And so he finally says in chapter 3, verse 20, Look, you can't be right with God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of law. Rather, through law we become conscious of sin. You can't be made right by what you do. You just can't do it. And it's all a very natural thing. We think, hey, I can do this. You cannot be made right by God by keeping laws and by doing right things. It will not make you right. So we're all in this same deal. We're all condemned. So where does that leave us? We need to have this sin penalty taken care of. Well, we're justified by faith. You see... We maintain, verse chapter, chapter 328, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So Paul's writing a bunch of Gentile and Jewish Christians. Now they got odds with each other. They're meeting in house churches, they're gathering together from time to time, and, and they argue over, over the thing, oh, Jews and Gentiles always argue over three things, basically. You know, circumcision, the Sabbath, and eating rules. And they always argue over those three things. And so he's going to address all that kind of stuff as he writes the Jew and the Gentile about getting along with each other. But what he's telling them to begin with, look, you're all in the same shape. Everybody's lost because of sin. And everybody's saved the same way by faith. Now, when he uses the word justified, this is a legal term. Uh, any of you been to court lately? Some of y'all lying out there. Mm-hmm. I saw one hand go up like this. Well, I was recently in court myself with other people. Not that I hadn't been there by myself. I'm just saying at least this time I was with other folks. And you know, they're going to they're gonna make justice take place. There's going to be a fine to be paid... But there's going to be something to settle this. You're going to either have to stay in jail, you're going to have to, give, you're going to, have to write a check, something's fixing to happen, to settle whatever law you broke. And so when, the, when it's taken care of, justice took place. You owed a penalty, and now you've got to pay. So this young couple was in the courtroom, and they already were on disability, they were both deaf, had trouble functioning. They got married, and in the process of getting married, disability checks got all mixed up. They didn't get their money. They couldn't pay their rent for a couple of months. The guy that rented to them said, I'm just taking you to court. I want my money. Now, get this. The rent was $250. He takes them to court. The judge hears them out. He hears their argument. He hears both arguments. I mean, it's obvious they hadn't paid. 
They're guilty. The judge halts things for a minute. He goes out of the room, comes back a little bit later. He goes over and he hands the $250 to the guy that they owed. And he takes and he settles their debt. And justice has been satisfied. They paid the penalty. The thing was taken care of. Now, and it was all, even though it was justice, it was all by what? Grace. They didn't deserve it. But by the compassionate judge, he took care of their problem. I know what you're saying. You're saying, I've never had a judge like that when I've been to court, right? (laughs) We broke the law. And the penalty is death. And through the gospel, God gave His Son to die for my sins. Got it? And so, the the time comes to pay that. Who's going to pay that? It's in Jesus Christ, put on the cross, paid my penalty. And justice is taken care of. The law is satisfied. That's justification. Because I trust the gospel for God to take care of the judge paid the price that I owed. And I've been justified by faith through Christ Jesus. That's what happens with justification. And now the Jews had a real hard time with this because they wanted to claim that they did. They're special people. God called us. We're a special nation. We've got all the rights. We've got everything going. And they said, look, you can't be saved by your heritage. You can't be saved by the people before you. You can only be saved by the gospel. It's the power to save. You've got to trust God in order to be saved. It's a faith principle. We have to trust Him. So Paul wants to make sure they understand it. So he takes and says, I'm going to tell you, matter of fact, your hero of your religion is a guy named Abraham. <clears throat> and we're going to look at his faith. Now in his teaching of this, through the first uh, uh, 17 verses, he explains to them, look, Abraham, the one you claim as a father, he was saved before he had the sign of a Jew. Before he ever had circumcision take place, he was saved by faith. Fourteen years earlier, he was declared right with God by his faith before he ever had the sign of a Jew. So you can't claim him. He, was, he claimed the promise because he trusted God. So it's not about being connected to Abraham with your lineage. It's about being connected to, to Abraham through your faith. You have his kind of faith and you can have his kind of salvation. And that's not, not just for him, the, for the Jew, that's for everybody who will believe. And now, oh Abraham, what kind of faith did he have? And what was so powerful about his faith? Well, in Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 18, he describes his faith. Now look, right before this in verse 17, Paul says about Abraham believing, he says he believes in a God who could raise the dead, who could give life to things that are dead, and call things that haven't happened as though they already did. That's what God does. God God brings life to dead things, a dead womb, a dead man. He brings life to dead things. And He calls things that have not yet happened as though they already did. 
Got it? That's what God does. Now think about that. And then there's this description of Abraham's faith. Because it's really a description of the kind of faith that we need to have. Go to the next slide, guys. Let's look at this. This is a, this, this is a breakdown of this Romans uh, uh, 4.18 section. First of all, he said he, he, that Abraham believed God's word of promise. Look, if you've got God's word on something, that's good enough, right? If God says this is going to happen, then you can believe it. And God said to Abraham, I'll tell you what, you're going to have a son. And God, and he believed it. He said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he believed it. He had God's word of promise. And when you got it, you can trust it too. God's word of promise. Now, Abraham believed it in spite of the circumstances. What's the circumstance? Well, he's older than anybody in this room. And he hadn't had that son yet. But God gave him a promise. You're going to have one. And Sarah, his wife, what's her circumstance? She's too old to be having a baby. She's got a dead womb, but I believe that, remember, God gives life to things that are dead. Remember that? And can you imagine that day she realized that she was going to have a child? Can you imagine the people around the community, the talk at the tent? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine her telling some of her other family members, Hey, y'all... Y'all got that old bassinet up in the attic somewhere? Because we're going to be needing that. And you're thinking, she is off her meds. Right? (laughs) And yet, what was unexplainable became undeniable. And so he, they believed, he believed without wavering. That didn't mean he always understood, but he kept on, kept his eye on the top. And he was in fully persuaded, full assurance that somehow or another God's going to pull this thing off. You and I must believe the undeniable over the unexplainable. Now get that. John 9, a man gets healed. He's blind. God, Christ heals him. He, everybody's questioning him. He says, I don't know. I can't explain how he did it. I'm just telling you, I was blind and now I see. Undeniable. I think sometimes where our kids or uh, people who especially go into the study of science and intellect and get all involved in, in the, they're trying to look for a way to explain everything and they get so heavy on the unexplainable that they lose sight of God. You need to be heavy on the undeniable, not the unexplainable. You cannot deny by fact by history, that Jesus Christ's body came out of the grave three days later. Undeniable. The resurrection was undeniable. They could not say it didn't happen. Undeniable. Could they explain it? No. But it was undeniable. And that's, that's what faith does. It, it trusts what God does. It trusts the undeniable things that's happened by Him over the unexplainable. I don't have to explain everything to believe. I can't explain how these lights work, turn on, and I have light, but I don't come in the room and say, 
I can't explain that. Turn those off. I'm not going to use them. <laughs> no. Just because I can't explain it. Look, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is undeniable. God's Word, Abraham trusted it. He believed in spite of the circumstances that said it can't happen, without wavering, in full assurance, and he gave God the glory. Now look, his actions of faith wasn't written just for him. Look at this next one. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to a death for our sins and was raised alive for our justification. So you see, that story of Abraham and his faith was written for us, that we had that same kind of faith in the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We got God's Word. He was raised and He's coming again, right? I got His Word on it. I got His Word on it. And that if I put my faith in Him He'll take care of my sins. I've got to trust God because I, I've tried taking care of myself. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. We are saved by faith. Man's always been saved the same way. By faith through grace. Because of the gospel. Just before it happened in history, he didn't understand it. We get to see it revealed. Pretty good place to be. But what's the results of that? And what do we have because of, of all that? Well, the great thing we have in chapter 5, he tells us, we have, a, we have a bunch of neat things that take place. We have some rewards or some fruit or however you want to say it. Since we're justified by faith, since God paid the price, there are some things that come our way. Let's go to the next slide, guys, and we'll, just, uh, we'll, we'll explain what this he says, first of all, we have peace with God. Now look, this word isn't the word for everything feels good inside peace. This is the word uh, that where hostilities have been removed. There's been, there's been two, uh, two, two guys mad at each other, and whatever made them mad, that thing is gone, and now they're in great relationship with each other. That's the idea. Hostilities have been removed, which, by the way, was my sin. And it's taken away. And now I'm, I'm all right with God. My, the hostility's gone. I'm at peace with God. And now that I have peace with Him, I also have access. I can walk into the Holy of Holies anytime, night or day, and go to God with whatever problem I have. I have access to Him. And I have joy. I have joy in my circumstances. Now, even when I have hard times, I can even rejoice in suffering because that develops my character that makes me look more like Jesus. And that brings me to a position of hope and help. You see, God is there to help me. Matter of fact, in those next verses, He says He poured out His Holy Spirit in me. To help me walk right for God. He sent his son to die for you, to justify you. Paid your penalty. He's given you, he's restored your peace. He's given you access to him any time, night or day. He's given you joy. He even forms you to be more like Jesus. He gives you hope. He's poured the Holy Spirit into your life. 
Why won't I believe him when he really says he loves me that much? You see, Satan gets a lot of mileage out of this old thing of legalism, doesn't he? Because he keeps me thinking I'm still under that old law that says when I mess up, I'm lost. It just ain't true. Remember Romans 8 said, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No means no. There's no condemnation. Now I'm fighting, I'm working, I want to live holy, but there's no condemnation. I don't live under the law that says every time I sin, I die, and I've got to say a prayer and get right, and that's a yo-yo kind of Christian life, you know, in and out. I'm just hoping that I can die, but, uh, you know, maybe take the, the uh, bread and the cup, and right, right as soon as I take communion, boom, die, and maybe then I'll be all right with the Lord. You know, it's that kind of idea. I mean, for some people, their greatest assurance is when they were baptized into Christ. I mean, right there, matter of fact, if you'd have just drowned me, that was, you know, that'd have been good, right? I almost did that to an old boy one time, first guy I ever baptized. Sixteen years old, old red-headed boy, he's kind of scared of the water. I studied the gospel with him. I was nervous. I'd never baptized anybody. We were up in Ohio, some campaign. And it's after a church. And the preacher's standing on the outside of the baptistry. And I'm, I'm in it. And I got the kid. And he's nervous and shaking. And I'm in too. And, and there's a few people up there watching. And I go to baptize him. And he throws out his hand and grabs the glass. And I got him underwater. Well, the preacher's trying to pry his hands up off the glass. Hey, we're in the church of Christ. you got to get all parts of the body down at the same time, right? We get his hand off, but I had to raise him up. He's bubbling. I'm like, I gotta get the guy up, you know. I said, I gotta get him all under at the same time. I grab his arm and I take him to the bottom. Poor guy, you know. Sometimes in our life, we felt more assurance the day we were born again than we do years after being in the Lord. And that's sad that Satan got that much mileage out of legalism. We ought to be growing in our confidence and assurance. We were brand new babes in the Lord then. Our confidence and assurance in God ought to be growing. That's why he writes this next little section here where he says that that while you were yet sinners... Christ died for the ungodly. If He died for you when you were a sinner, how much more? Underline that phrase in your Bible. How much more? He says it twice. That if God died, God took care of our sins and reconciled us to Him, and now that we're trying to live right, how much more does He love you now that you're trying to live right? If He loved you when you didn't care, now that you're in church and making that... How much more does He love you now? You're more than conquerors. You're a son of the King. You're royalty. You need to put a smile on your face. You've been raised alive. There's good things coming your way. You can live for God. You've been justified. And one day you'll be glorified. And in between that, you've got a lot of joy and living to do. Be assured of your salvation. Was what God promised He can perform. He won't let you down. If you don't remember anything else, you remember 
today. How much more? Get off your own back. And get off the backs of others when they don't live like you think they ought to live. Let God grow us up together. Jew or Gentile, we're all the same. We're all lost by sin. We're all saved by the grace of God. Don't give in to Satan's lies that somehow or another you've got to do everything right to be right. It's just not true. You're made right because of Jesus. There's nothing you can do to make yourself right. He did it. But what you do have to do is put your faith in the gospel. Don't put your faith in church regulations. Don't put your faith in your religious activity. Don't put your faith in your religious heritage. My, my daddy was in this church. My mama was here. Don't put your faith in that. That's what he's telling the Jews, right? Don't put your faith in all that history. You put your faith in God. You trust Him. And if He saved you when you didn't, if He, if he died for you when you didn't care, how much more does He love you and will help you now that you're trying to do what's right? God loves you. It's a much deeper statement than it sounds. Father, we love you. Thank you for the day. Sorry we don't appreciate it enough. We try to earn our own way and we get caught up into letting Satan deceive us. Forgive us of that. Thank you, Father, for paying the price for our sin and justifying us. Thank you, Father, for our peace and access, joy or hope. For the Holy Spirit that's been poured into our lives that helps us walk with you, we're grateful. Bless us, Father, as a church to never lose our trust and dependence on the gospel. That it stays the core of everything we teach and believe, for it gives hope to lost people. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. If you have a need today, you want in on that grace, that's what our invitation's about. You can make Jesus the Lord of your life, be baptized into Christ, start all over. Or if you just have a struggle you want to share, that's all right too. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?